One of the most powerful films you'll watch is Just Mercy, starring Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. It's based on the incredible true story of world-renowned civil rights defence lawyer Brian Stevenson. Brian works to free wrongly convicted death row prisoners, and I'm thrilled and honoured to say that Brian joins me on the line now. Brian, such an honour to have you on Plan B. Thank you. Great to be with you. When you started the Equal Justice Initiative, did you ever think that your story would be on the big screen in Hollywood? And what was your reaction when they approached you? (laughs) No, I never imagined uh, that uh, what I was doing would become the subject of a major motion picture. And uh, to be honest, I really was uh, committed to doing my work as undercover as possible. I didn't want uh, any attention. I actually believed I could help my clients the best if it was kind of covert. Yeah. And for the first 20 years, uh, we didn't have a sign on the building. We did not draw attention uh, to our work. But about 10 years ago, I began to realize that to end this unjust punishment, to end excessive punishment and over-incarceration, we were going to have to talk more publicly about these issues. And that's what kind of put me on this path where, you know, I did this TED Talk and I wrote the book. Uh, and then uh, when they approached me about a film being made, um, to be honest, I was a little apprehensive at first because <laughs> Hollywood doesn't always get these stories right. Yeah. And I would rather there be no movie than a movie that compromised the truth. But meeting Destin, the director, and then when Michael B. Jordan got involved, it became clear to me that not only were these incredibly talented people, but they were people who were committed to these issues. And that alignment gave me the confidence that this is something you know, worth doing. And I couldn't be prouder of the film. I'm really excited for people to see it. Oh, it's an incredible film. I have to say, I felt all the feels through it. Joy, anger, so much anger, um, yeah. so many ugly tears. The casting was phenomenal in this. When you hear Michael B. Jordan is going to be new you, what notes do you give him to play you? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was so committed to doing it right. And uh, we spent a lot of time Uh, together. Uh, He'd never played a lawyer before. And so we went over the choreography of moving in a courtroom. And he does a brilliant job. I think it's an extraordinary performance. He really wanted to be as authentic as possible. And I appreciated that about him. The one area where I told him he didn't have to be authentic, I told him that he didn't need to lose the Black Panther Creed body when he played me. I wouldn't have any objections, you know, to the abs and the muscles. And and so I I appreciated that about him, too. Can we go back to the beginning for a minute? In the movie, you see that your mum is scared about you going to Alabama to set up the EGI. But, like, we know that even what you were doing was right. It was going to really anger a lot of people. And I'm sure you yourself were scared. But what made you push through that fear and speak when the world was telling you to be quiet? Well, I think you just have to remember that there are people more vulnerable than you. We have in the movie a couple of scenes. You know, I'm required to submit to a strip search at one point when I try to see my clients. Yeah. Uh, I got death threats, uh, bomb threats. And you always have a reason to stop. You always have a reason to say, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. But when you think about the people who are more vulnerable, the people on death row who are literally dying for legal assistance, the people whose life will depend on whether there's uh, an intervention that allows the truth to come out. Uh, That's when you begin to understand that you can work through the challenges uh, that emerge. You know, relative to my clients, I'm privileged, I'm protected, even when I'm being threatened and menaced. And that's what orients me to the work 
that I do. Uh, I mean, I do believe that to create justice, you have to sometimes be willing to stand up when people say sit down. You have to yeah. be willing to speak when people say be quiet. And, and that orientation is at the heart of the work that I do, and it's what I try to bring uh, to the cases that I take on. And that's what amazes me about you, because like in the film, there's a conversation happening between two of the guards, and the older guard actually says to the younger one, he's there witnessing an execution for the first time, and he says, don't think too much or you'll lose your shit. Yeah. And that line really resonated with me because I feel that that's the message that's being sent out to the world right now. Like you're told, when you, even when you go into jobs that are meant to help people, do not connect. Right. Have a disconnect. Stay cold. How does your connection with people inform your work? And why, yeah. why did you allow yourself to feel? Well, I think it's the only way we make a difference. We can't help people if we're unwilling to get proximate, unwilling to get close. We have these policymakers that make up these policies, and oftentimes they're not effective because they were created in a distant place. If you really want to change the world, you've got to get proximate. You've got to get close enough to people because that's when you hear things you won't otherwise hear. That's when you see things you won't otherwise see. I believe in proximity. And um, yes, when you stand close to people who are suffering and condemned, you'll feel and experience frustration and anger. There'll be tears, but there will also be the joy and the knowledge. I think to affirm the basic human rights, the basic dignity of every person, you have to be close enough sometimes to embrace them, yeah. uh, to respond to their suffering. And um, I, I just think that we need professionals in all walks of life uh, who are thinking a lot about what they're doing, who are engaged, who care deeply about the people they're working for. That's how things change. That's how we increase the justice quotient around the world. Brian, I think you're phenomenal for so many different reasons. But like even watching that film, I just, and I heard Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx say this about you as well. You have great patience. There's times where you were being degraded, times where, you know, these walls just kept coming up and times when I wanted to yell at that screen, yet you kept it all together. How do you manage to keep it all, all together and how do you look after you? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really uh, privileged to have a line uh, behind me. You know, my great-grandfather was enslaved, and uh, he learned to read as an enslaved person because he believed one day he'd be free. And my grandmother would tell the story about how after emancipation, all of the formerly enslaved would come to their home, and he would stand up each night, and he would read the newspaper. And I just think about the kind of faith and strength that took, and it caused her uh, to want to be literate. And even though she didn't have a lot of formal education, my grandmother loved to read, and she gave that gift to my mother, and my mother gave that to me. And we were poor, but my mom went into debt to buy the World Book Encyclopedia, so we'd have a portal uh, to the larger world. And when I think about people like my mom and my grandmother and my great-grandparents who were enslaved, I cannot forget uh, the commitment they had uh, to a better world. And that's what yeah. sustains me. You know, I, I stand on the shoulders of people in Montgomery, Alabama, who came a generation before, who had to do so much more with so much less. Yeah. And uh, I've never had to say like they had to say, my head is bloody but not bowed. And that centers me and makes me appreciate uh, that I can do uh, the things that need to be done to help people who are in great need. And it seems on the outside like it's hard and difficult and a sacrifice, and it is hard and yeah. it is difficult, but it's also rich and powerful and affirming 
and I feel really privileged to do what I do, uh, to be in a place where I, I feel some purpose and clarity. And that's a great gift that, you know, that I'm really grateful for. And finally, this world can be a scary place. Uh, we look out there sometimes and there's so much fear, so much injustice, and we feel so helpless. But you said the most important thing is not to lose hope. Why is hope so important and how can we use that as an agent of change? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am persuaded that, that we have to stay hopeful. I, I mean, I believe hopelessness is the enemy of justice. Injustice prevails where hopelessness persists. I actually think hope is our superpower. We've got to be willing to believe things we haven't seen to change the world, to create conditions that are necessary for fair and just treatment for people. And, uh, you know, it was hope uh, that that brought an end to to enslavement. It was hope that brought an end to lynching with impunity. It was a hope that brought an end to legal segregation and apartheid. It's hope that will create the kind of fairness and justice that will make the plight of people like Walter McMillan something that is forever relegated to the past. And so, yeah, I have to believe these things I haven't seen. I, you know, I went to Harvard Law School. I'd never met a lawyer until I got there. I had to believe I could be something I hadn't really seen. And uh, I just think that has to be our orientation if we really want to change the world. Yeah, well, I really hope that we can change the world together. And I just want to say a massive thank you to you. We need more Brian Stevensons in this world. And I'm so honoured that I got to chat to you. Thank you so much for everything you do, Brian. Oh, you're very welcome, Serena. All the best to you.